0: Go home and say that we've met with God, haven't we? We could. Um, Praise the Lord. Um, I'm just going to say this just so I can have freedom. I'm looking at the clock. It's uh, about quarter after. And I got to share what the Lord has placed upon my heart. So um, we're just going to be obedient to the Lord um, if you need to leave at any time, you do so reverently, um, but we're going to obey the Lord. I believe he has something that he wants all of us to hear this morning. And um, for a couple of weeks now, we get, we've been speaking on uh, this verse here in Luke 9, 23, where Jesus said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. I was going to just pick up where I left off last Sunday, but God changed all of that this week. It's funny how he has a way of changing things on us. And he changed all of that this week um, after our Wednesday study. Um, if you've not been able to make it, I encourage you to come out to our Wednesday studies. We've been having some great studies. And uh, we've been studying through the book of James. But in the fifth chapter, we picked out just one particular part of a verse. I forget what verse it is, but it talks about the coming of Jesus Christ. And for several weeks now, or a couple of weeks, we've just been talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ, end-time theology. And it dawned on me that even this, ties into what we've been talking about here on Sunday mornings for the last several weeks. And uh, when I went home Wednesday night after our study, God just kept rolling verses over in my mind, and I thought, God, you're changing things, and so we're going to go with how God wants to preach and not how Brock wants to preach this morning. When it comes to end-time theology, um, what do we, the Church of God, I myself, what do we believe? Now, I know there's controversy here, but let me tell you what we as a Church of God believe. We do not believe that when Christ comes back, that there, we do not believe that there's going to be a rapture, that there's going to be a secret snatching away. I know there are many people who believe that people that we love, people that we know love Jesus, that are on their way to heaven just as much as you and I, we have a different interpretation of that. Don't believe that uh, if you look at 1 Thessalonians 4, where they get that passage, it's anything but a secret snatching away. Instead, Scripture tells us that the next great prophetic event will be when Jesus returns. And when he does return, it says in Thessalonians That he will return with a shout. He will return with the voice of the archangel. He will return with at the sound of the trumpet of God. And it will happen, church, hear me. It will happen quicker than all of humanity can ever even imagine. So let me reveal to you some of the things that God revealed to me. Those of you who were in our Wednesday study, some of these verses might look a little familiar Second Peter verse three, excuse me, chapter three verse ten says, "But of the day of the Lord, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat; both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up." 1 Thessalonians five says, "For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord." So comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. If you were with us on Wednesday, you heard Richard tell a story about uh, their uh, daughter Megan getting married down in Florida. And he told, it was a crazy day. A number of things took place uh, that were not favorable to them. But one of them, Megan, was she with a relative, Richard? Okay, she, she was with a relative, and Megan was with a relative at a local place where they do nails and get the nails ready and all that for the wedding. And uh, unbeknownst to them, while uh, Megan was getting her nails done, they, I guess they had ridden in her relative's car, and at that time... Someone in broad daylight broke into her car, smashed the window in, and I don't know what all they took, but while they were in the store, obviously they had no idea this was happening. They did not realize it until it was too late. What a wonderful day for your wedding, right? What a wonderful event to take place on your wedding day. And this is how it's going to be when the Lord returns, church. This is what these passages that I just read are trying to say, that Jesus will return when we least expect it. And notice it says that there will be no escape, the last verse there. There will be no escape. There will be no deathbed conversions. There will be no second chances or time to get right with God, as the popular Left Behind series indicates. Just my personal opinion, uh, those of you who have read or watched that movie, Left Behind, that is perfectly fine, as long as we view it as fiction and not biblical truth. It's okay to be entertained by that kind of a movie, but know your biblical truth. For those believers who are still alive, when Christ comes back, think about it, if you're a believer, when Christ comes back, it will be glorious. It will be wonderful, but for those who have not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that's the reason it says peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. What does that mean? When Christ comes through, He splits the eastern skies. If you are not ready, you will not have a second chance. Your eternal destination will be sealed at that moment, and if you don't know Him, it will be terror. It will be horrible if you don't know the Lord. I'm reminded we think we talked about Matthew 24, verse 27, it says for us, "The lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be." Another reference to how quick and how unexpected His return will be. Does anybody in here love storms? I do. Anybody love storms? Storm lover? Okay. Storm chaser? No, I'm not a storm chaser. Oh, are you? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I've always loved storms. My grandfather uh, always loved storms. We would go out in the car in the middle of a storm and just kind of be out in the midst of it all. Um, there's been a few times that I've gotten a little bit too close for comfort. You know how lightning works. It happens so fast. And by the time that you hear that crack, i got your attention now, by the time you hear that crack and you hear the thunder, it's too late to try and take cover, isn't it? It's too late to try and run and hide. Folks, these are red-letter words, by the way. Matthew twenty four twenty seven. These are Jesus' words. This is how fast he will return, which is why Peter in Thessalonians tells us that there will be no time to do anything about it. In Matthew chapter 24, why don't you turn there with me? Uh, You can look along. This is one of the passages that I'll just kind of dig into here. Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24, let's skip a few verses ahead to verse 36. These verses will be on the screen. Verse 36, but of that day and hour no one knows. Again, these are red letter words, Jesus' words. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Elsewhere in the Gospels it also says that not even the Son himself, Knows the day or the time or the hour. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also the coming of the Son of Man will be. I just want to give you Pastor Brock's version of what took place in this passage. As is the case in the other passages, the people in Noah's day, they had no idea when the rains were going to come. How long did it take to build the ark? That's a popular question. I got on answers in Genesis. I know the youth just recently went down to... uh, Um, the Creation Museum, and I don't know what all that says, but I got on the answers in Genesis, and what I read was they said it could have taken upwards to 75 years. Now, I know there's a passage that talks about 120 years, but they feel that that was just talking about the length that someone, as long as someone could live at that time, could be up to 120 years. But realistically, if you look at when the sons were born and had children and all that, it could have been upwards to 75 years. So imagine if you would, for a second with me, day after day and month after month, year after year, it was life as usual for Noah's community. They all woke up at the same time, would get ready for work. Hold on a second. I need to take a drink. So it was life as usual. Got up at the same time. Got ready for work. Perhaps they stopped at the same Starbucks every day. I don't know. Ordered the same white chocolate mocha with half the espresso, espresso, two pumps of chocolate, two pumps of caramel. Also ordered... A cinnamon swirl coffee cake. Does that sound good to anybody right now? On their way out of Starbucks, they would buy the Morning Gazette uh, from the street vendor, and then they were off to their place of business. Every day, they drove through the same construction zone. You're saying, I've never read this version in the Bible. This is my version. Now, we're used to those annoying construction, orange construction barrels, aren't we? But eventually, eventually... They go away and the road is restored. But not for the people in Noah's day. Can you imagine driving through the same construction zone for 75 years? Every day for 75 years, the commuters pass by the same construction worker. But these were no ordinary construction workers. These workers were none other than Noah and his family building the ark. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, Noah and his family would show up at the job site wearing their hard hats and their hammers and their saws and their cubit measuring sticks and they would go to work building this ark which no one, by the way, had never even seen something this big before. Then one day, animals just started to show up out of nowhere, in pairs at that. It was an amazing sight. It was almost as if these animals were walking and were under the guidance of some invisible presence. You can imagine the comments from the community. Noah and his family were already the source of unending jokes. You can imagine 50, 60, 70 some years and they're still building this boat. They were already known as clowns of the community. Now here come the animals just completing the Ringling Brothers and Bailey Circuses in town. Just about every day, Noah tries to warn the people of the coming flood. There's still time to humble themselves, still time to repent and change their ways. Noah tells them that the door is still open. Do you see the parallels of today, church? The door is still open. But year after year, they ignore his pleas and continue to live in wickedness. One day, the townspeople notice something that Noah and his family all of a sudden are nowhere to be found. There's no more construction work taking place, no more sounds of sawing and hammering and all of that. And there's one more thing that they notice, the door is shut. They think nothing of it and go about their day. Then all of a sudden, the rain starts. A raindrop hits someone in the hand. And before they know it, all of heaven and all of earth just opens up Before they know it, it's too late for the townspeople. Folks, I believe this is the picture that Jesus was trying to convey to those around him and those of us here today. He's trying to tell anyone who will listen that his return will be unexpected. You will not know when it happens. There's another passage that I thought about that just really excites me. It's found in 1 Corinthians 15. You don't have to turn there for sake of time. Here's what it says. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet... For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, praise the Lord, and this mortal must put on immortality. Here is one of the greatest passages in all of Christendom, right here. Again, it's speaking of Jesus' return. And it will happen when we least expect it. It says it will happen in the twinkling of an eye. Now, I want everybody to look at me right now. And on the count of three, I want all of us to blink. I want all of us to blink on the count of three. One, two, three. And he's back. That's how quick. That's how quick the return of, you didn't even see it coming, did you? I didn't see you blink because I was thinking. I didn't know it happened. It's just that. Quick, when he returns, these corruptible bodies, praise the Lord, will be made incorruptible. These mortal bodies will become immortal. What an event this will be. His return, church, will be sudden. It will will be in the blink of an eye, and every eye will see him. When we were studying this on Wednesday night, something struck me. The first passage that I read to you in Peter that talks about his coming will be like a thief in the night. The very next verse, actually Keith Thompson read this verse and it got me thinking. The very next verse, you can't see that. I don't know what happened to that. I want you to turn there, Second Peter chapter 3. That's why we don't totally rely upon technology. Second Peter, Chapter Three, Verse Eleven. Second Peter, Chapter Three, Verse Eleven, just the first half of Verse Eleven. It says, Therefore, since all of these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? Stop. What manner of persons are, ought you to be? This is what got me thinking. We know that Jesus is coming back because God in His Word just told us so. But why do you think that God had all these verses? And we've just only hit on a couple. Why do you think that God had all these Writers inspired by the Holy Spirit write these words. Was it so that we could be consumed with all the details on post-tribulation or pre-tribulation or premillennialism or pre dispensationalism and all millennialism? Is it because we could get all bogged down with all those things? I don't think so. Those things are important. If it's in God's Word, He wants us to know what the truth is. Amen? He wants us to know what the truth is. However, I believe that God had all of these things put into the Word of God because He wants you to be ready. He wants you to be ready. It's almost as if Jesus is telling you and me this morning that because we know He is coming and it will happen in the blink of an eye, we need to seriously consider and evaluate the kind of lives that we are living and the kind of people that we are. Somebody say amen. Amen. And the question that God has for you and me this morning is are you ready? And that was the thought Wednesday night. I couldn't get off my mind. Brock, are you ready? Just put your name there and are you ready? And here is where we kind of come full circle with what we've been talking about for the last several weeks. Here's what got a hold of my mind. And yesterday I did a whole lot more changing of my sermon Here is what I believe Jesus is saying to all of us. If you want to be ready for my return, that you have no idea when it's going to happen, if you want to be ready, come after me. (laughs) Come after me. If anyone were to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. You want to be ready? Come after Jesus. You don't believe me? Don't believe that this maybe is what was behind all these words in the Word of God? All of the passages that I've given you this morning have follow-up verses to prove this. In Second Peter, where it talks about the thief in the night in, in uh, verse 10, look what it also says in verse 11 and 14. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Therefore, verse 14, Beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, without spot and blameless. Some of your versions also say, without spot or wrinkle. Church, the way that we live and act and breathe should be holy, should be godly. We are to be found with spot or wrinkle, blameless at His appearing. If I had time, I would go into that. 1 Thessalonians 5, where it also talks about the thief in the night. Look at verse 6 and 8 says, Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Now listen, I'm not talking about the work that we do in the church. I'm not talking about if you sit on a board or if you teach a class or if you help mow the grass or if you help clean this or whatever it is that you might do. I just know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your personal, individual, individual relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you coming after Jesus? All those other things are nice, but they don't matter if you're not coming after Him. I think I broke the back of my cover here. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Sober. Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. We can't do enough good deeds in the church. We can't do enough good deeds out in the community. It doesn't matter what we do if our heart is not coming after Jesus Christ. Where are you at individually? We are not to be sleeping. Instead, we are to be alert. We are not to be drunk with the things of this world, but we are to be focused on our task at hand. We are to put on that breastplate of righteousness, as Ephesians says, the breastplate of faith and love, always wearing the helmet of our salvation, every day. Oh, look what verse 23 says. One of my favorite verses. Verse 23 in 1 Thessalonians 5, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. These verses he said after, he said, I will come like a thief in the night. What's he doing? He's trying to prepare you. He's trying to get you to be ready and you can't be ready if you're not coming after these verses. Not, still not sure, let's go to Matthew 24 where we've just talked about Noah. Following the description of when the door was shut and the floods came, we're told in verse 42 and 44, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Verse 44, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. We are to watch, we are to be alert, we are to be Ready. And the last one that we talked about, First Corinthians fifteen, following the glorious description of what will happen with these earthly bodies when Jesus comes, how death will be swallowed up in victory to those who love Him, to those who have been living for Him when Jesus returns. Look what it tells us in verse fifty-eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Listen, regardless of how discouraged we can get, that verse is saying, keep keeping on for Jesus. Keep coming after me for Jesus. Be ready for my return because you don't know when I am coming. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Don't let anything shake you in this life. Cling to Jesus Christ. Be holy. Be without spot or wrinkle. Be a people that He is proud to come and get. I believe God has just peeled back the veil of His Son's return just enough so that you and I will be ready. He's given us just enough clue just so that we'll be ready so that you and I will come after Him by doing all that He commanded us to do. Let try and put this on. Alright. And then I had one final thought. As most of you know, the Bible refers to the church made up of you and me, the saved. It refers to the church as the bride of Christ. Does he not? He does. Jesus being the groom. When those eastern skies split, the groom is coming back for his bride. This glorious picture of the church became vividly real to me, I'll be honest with you, about two months ago. I never, I never told the family this. I told one other person this, other than Stephanie. This picture of the church and Jesus' return became vividly clear to me whenever I was doing the wedding for Christine and for Harlan. What do, what do I mean by that? Harlan and I walked out on the, uh, of the side room. And we stood up here as most weddings go, and and we waited in anticipation. The groom was waiting in anticipation. We watched as the bridesmaids made their way down front, and then the ring bearer, and then the flower girls, and then the maid of honor. And then once everybody was in their place, Gary Burrell came down. I wish he were here this morning, but he'll have to get a copy of this. Gary Burrell came down, and he took the, the, the aisle runner, and he took it all the way back the aisle, preparing for the bride. And I don't know about you, but I was just watching all this unfold, and, and whenever that took place, everybody in the room knew that the bride was just about ready to come out. And the anticipation was building. Then the doors opened. And there stood Christine with her mom and dad on each arm. Now whether she realized it or not, I believe that Christine was preparing for that moment her entire life. She didn't realize it growing up, during the growing up years. Barb and Amos, you guys were preparing Christine for that moment. And I couldn't help but notice the white dress. I couldn't help but notice the white runner, symbolizing that she was presenting herself as one who was pure and clean, one who had been faithful and true, one who had made herself ready. Harlan. And folks, I knew I had to concentrate because I had to get this couple married, but I about had to shout and spell right here on the stage that day because God began to reveal to me this is exactly how Christ is going to come back for his bride. What a wonderful picture this is. This is how he's going to come back for his bride, the church of the living God. I can just see it right now. Jesus right now says is sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And he's aware of all things going on, but I believe he's also keeping one eye on his Heavenly Father because his Heavenly Father, one of these days, is going to turn to his Son and he's going to say, it's time. It's time. And as soon as he says it's time, Jesus is going to go. Those eastern skies are going to split and he's going to come bursting through, church. Now, I can't prove this next point. It's not in the Bible, but it's just in my mind. But I can just imagine that when this happens, when the eastern sky splits and Jesus, the groom, presents himself, the angels are going to come down and they're going to pull a white aisle runner from here all the way up to glory. you know what that aisle runner is called? It's called the Highway of Holiness. Somebody say amen to that. It's called the Highway of Holiness then we, the church, the bride, are going to present ourselves before the groom, Jesus Christ. I don't know if that's what it's going to be, a picture like that. But we will be dressed in white, symbolizing that our sins have been washed By the blood of the Lamb. Symbolizing that our lives here on earth have been holy, have been pure before our God. That we have been faithful and true to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Sanctified holy. There there we will stand as the bride of Christ without spot or wrinkle. Man, that got me excited this week. Got me excited that day when I saw this take place. I shared that with Gary Burrow after the service, and he said something that I want to repeat to you. He said he once heard that God is not looking for a girlfriend. He's looking for a bride. God is not looking for a girlfriend. He's looking for a bride. A bride who has been faithful and true to Him. Oh, church. What a day that will be, when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, for he'll take me by the hand and lead me through the promised land. What a day, what a day, what a glorious day that will be. And the only way that day will take place for you and me as if we come after Him. As if we come after Him. Don't you want to be a part of that bride? Don't you want to be a part of the church that presents itself holy and pure before God? I do. I do. I'm going to ask the band to come up at this time. We're going to close with a, with a song. Look, it's a song we just learned about a day or so ago. And some of them I just taught it this morning. So I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know why God just kind of messed everything up with my sermon. He just messed my sermon up this week, Lisa. Maybe next week we'll pick up on the things that we were talking about last week, but maybe it was just for me. Maybe it was for the person who came here this morning and you're struggling. You're discouraged. You're depressed. You need hope and you need encouragement to just keep pressing on. Maybe you needed to hear the words in Corinthians that said, Be steadfast. Be immovable. Never stop believing. Always putting on the breastplate of faith. When you get up in the morning to go to work or you get up in the morning to go about your day, put on that breastplate of faith and love. Put on the helmet of salvation. Maybe you just need encouragement this morning to keep. Keeping on for Jesus. Knowing that those things that you are doing for the Lord will not be in vain. Just keep working. That's how you prepare yourself. That's how you come after Jesus. Maybe it's for the one who's not yet accepted Jesus Christ. Maybe there's someone like that here today. And you know that if Christ were to come right now, listen, Christ is coming. He's coming. He's a coming. He's either coming in death when we pass away from this life. And if you know Jesus, by the way, 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us that we're just asleep. We're not really dead. Or he's going to come back when he splits the eastern skies. And there might be someone here this morning you know you're not ready. Or maybe there's someone here that you've had an experience with Jesus, but for some reason you've drifted. You're kind of playing games with God. You're not ready. That's all I got. We want to be ready. As we do this song, the altars are open. And uh, this is just between you and God. Or You can just worship with us. You can sing with us. You can do whatever the Lord has laid upon your heart. But my question to you this morning is, are you ready? can be, before you leave here today, you can be, I'm going to ask you to stand. Typically I don't have people stand when they don't really know a song. It's kind of hard to engage when you're standing, but this is a time before you and God and just worship him. Maybe you just want to come forward and just say, God, there's nothing that I can think of, but Lord, I want to give you my all. I want to make sure that I'm being unmovable, immovable, and steadfast, and I'm going to keep keeping on. God, you have all of who I am. Jesus, I'm going to come after you because I want to be ready. Maybe that's your prayer today. Maybe you need to do business with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the glorious picture of your church. God, that we will one day present ourselves to you when you split the eastern skies. You are coming back for a bride, for a church, for a people without spot or wrinkle. Lord, if we have accepted you as our Lord and Savior, our hearts are clean. As Cindy talked about so beautifully with the kids this morning, we can have a clean heart. We can have a pure heart. And God, as long as we live for you every day of our lives, we can maintain that pure heart, that clean heart. We're not perfect, but you allow us to maintain a right relationship with you. That's the kind of people you're coming back for. Those who have come after you. Those who have denied themselves. Those who have sold out to come after Jesus Christ. Lord, maybe there's one person here this morning who needed to hear this message. For your honor and your glory, Lord. As we sing this song, God, we want to be those kind of people. But we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.